this parable is one of the rare ones that actually tell us what uh, the parable is about right when the parable begins. You see that? He told them a parable of why they should keep praying uh, uh, even when times get hard, why they should persevere and keep moving when, when life gets difficult, why they should hold on to hope uh, when all hope seems lost. And it's a weird setting for the parable because as, if you look at it, it just starts with the words, and then. And so it's like, and, and then well, what was going on? Well, as you look back in the text in, in chapter 17, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees again, and they're asking him genuine questions. I think we spend a lot of time trying to think of the Pharisees. We're always trying to do the gosh game with Jesus. I think some of them were genuinely wondering what was going on and what this Jesus was about. And so he, he, they, he's answering to them a question. He was talking to the Pharisees about the kingdom. This kingdom of God is something that they wanted so badly. They, they, they wanted the kingdom of God to come and restore Israel. I'm not getting the feedback thing up here. Uh, they wanted to come back and, and God to come and restore Israel to the way it was. Remember, they were looking for the temple to be in rebuilt. They were looking for uh, to, to not have a foreign oppressor over them. They were hoping for a time when all their wrongs and justice, especially, would be served to the people of Israel. They were looking for that. Yet they've been looking for that for like a thousand years right now. And so they're kind of wondering where, how long must they wait? How long must they wait for God to do what God said he was going to do? It's a question that occupies a lot of scripture. How long must I be here holding on to this faith? How long until God, you begin to act? And then all of a sudden they see this wandering rabbi, prophet guy walking who looks a lot like John the Baptist. And John the Baptist asks the same question. Is this the kingdom? How long must we have waited? Jesus told him, yeah, it is. Relax a little bit. But these people see Jesus coming, and he's saying, the kingdom of God is here, which raises a whole bunch of questions for them. Because if the kingdom of God is here, and Jesus says it's in your midst, and the, the word he uses, it's, it's closer than your perusia, your breath. It's, it's right there. It's all around you. And, and yet they look at Jesus and go, you, you must be taking something that we're not, because we can't see a thing. And yet Jesus is still saying the kingdom of heaven is here. And so he tells them stories about the way that God moved in Israel's history. In, verse, in chapter 17, you see him say, like in the days of Noah, when they held on to hope, when, when Noah held on with faith that God said it was going to rain, Noah believed him, and he kept building, even though everyone else was having a good old day out there, he kept building the ark. And he talks about uh, Lot and, and fleeing from Sodom and Gomorrah. And how they had to go and how Lot's wife turned around and he said, don't do that. Keep going the way that God has told you to go. God told you to flee. Flee. Don't turn around. Trust God, even though it doesn't seem like it ever makes sense. Keep trusting. Keep trusting. And he says, hang in there. It's coming. The kingdom of God is going to be here. And so they're asking more questions. And, and Jesus' answers aren't exactly helpful to them. And so they're still wondering what's going on. And then he says in chapter 17, verse 22, a time will be coming when you will no longer see the one of the, well, you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but you will not see it. People will tell you, there he is, or here he is. Don't go running after them. In other words, the time is coming, and he's telling his disciples, look, time's coming, where people are going to be pointing to other versions of Jesus and saying, there he is, there he is. Don't chase them. Stay faithful. Stay 
true. Don't go running off and chasing them. Remain where you are. Jesus is answering this question, this ache of how do we keep faith when it seems like every time we pray and pray and pray, nothing ever seems to happen. This is a question that is just in Bible times, right? Do you guys ever have this problem? You don't? Okay, talking to myself here. Uh, but it, it's, it's, it's all through scriptures. It's a parable that we look at. And honestly, I looked at this parable and I was like, oh, great, another parable about endurance and how to keep faith when times get hard. Come on. I didn't want to, and I looked all over and all over and all over, tried to find a different interpretation of the parable. It's not there. The meaning of the parable is right in the first sentence. You can't get around it. This whole thing is how to remain steady when everything around you is falling apart. How to hold your faith when it seems impossible. And so Jesus tells the story about this judge. And, and you have to know a little bit about Jesus' humor. If you think dad joke humor is kind of like, ugh. Jesus, this is a funny story. We just don't get it. Jesus is telling a story about this judge. And it would have been laughable because judges in that day don't become judges in that day unless they both fear God and have a deep, empathetic care for the people around them. And so he tells this story about a judge who should have never been a judge. And so everybody would be going like, oh, this is laughable. Okay, go on. Let me hear more. And so he tells this story. And over time, this woman comes back and forth to him in perseverance, wore down the judge. And the judge finally says, fine. I'll give you what you want. There's two things I want us to see about this judge here real quick. Two phrases pop up. The verse 5, because this widow has kept bothering me. The idea behind this is is this Greek word, anidea. You want want to try it? Anytime there's a form, like a Greek or Hebrew word, you guys just got to be prepared. You're going to say it, okay? Anidea, which means the shameless audacity of or the bold perseverance. You can trace this word back into Hebrew, and you get the word chatsufo. Wipe the spit off your neighbor's back of their head. Chatsufo. And if you trace that one back, it means tenacity. If you trace chatsufo back, you get this other Hebrew word called chutzpah. Have we heard of that one? The chutzpah of that person, right? You hear it in all the, the New York movies where, where the, the mom is talking about how brave they are. It's it's difficult word to define, but it means persistence, strength, an unyielding tenacity, a bold determination, or what we want to call a raw nerve. There's a book out called Grit. Have we heard of this book? Uh, it, it's, it's grit. Chutzpah is the grit, the part of your life that helps you get back up again when you've been knocked down. The part of your life that keeps you moving, it, it keeps you going when things are difficult. It keeps holding on to your faith when everything around you seems to be busting apart at the seams. You have the chutzpah, like this woman, to keep asking, to keep going back and forth. So this woman possessed faith, or the chutzpah, to hold on to faith and and, and come back day after day after day. The other aspect I want us to see is that what what the chutzpah did, the judge said this uh, in verse 5, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me, which is weird, right? You have this judge who has the picture of being this able-bodied man and a widow, and we assume the widow is probably not the strongest of persons, yet she's going to come and attack the judge, which is odd. 
The word for attack is hypopiazo. Come on. Hypopiazo, not hypopizza. Hypopiazo. It's only used one other time in scripture. That, that when, when, when words are used just one time, you want to pay attention to them because they specifically chose this word. This word was, cho- was, were, was used one other time in 1 Corinthians 9 where Paul says, I beat my body into submission. I hypopiazo myself to submission so I will not keep going down. I am, am, am working here to be a part of what God's story is doing. It means black and blue. It means to spite and to smite and cause bruises uh, like boxers do when they train their body to handle it roughly, to have discipline by the hardships. Here it's used in a metaphorical sense to give one intolerable annoyance. How many of your friends have an intolerable annoyance? Okay, you, you're honest with me, Pat, and I appreciate that. It means that you, she approached this person in the most annoying way. And what Jesus is doing in this short parable is, is, about, is telling about this widow and this corrupt judge, but he's, he's showing us a picture of God by showing us a picture of what God is not. He's teaching us from the negative. In other words, I'm going to show you this judge and say God is definitely not like this judge, so we can, we can, uh, we can trust in what God wants to say or what God's going to do. You don't have to beat down heaven's door, in other words, for God to hear and respond to you. However, it does say in verse 1 that we should keep praying and not giving up. In other words, pray on. Pray and have faith. Pray and have the chutzpah to keep praying, to keep asking, to keep seeking. The chutzpah is not to convince God to hear you, but rather to convince yourself to keep going back and asking over and over and again and again. Jesus is showing us that we need to possess a gritty faith that keeps on pushing when things don't make sense and when things get entirely true, entirely tricky. And again, when I looked at this, I was like, I don't want to do another sermon about this. It just seems like the past two years, this is all we've been talking about. Hang on, hang on, it's going to get better. It's been a long time. Hang on, but in a way, it sort of fits. Because it's been hard to have faith in these times. It's been difficult to hold on, to keep praying, to keep asking. It's been difficult to have chutzpah, to keep pursuing what God wants us to do. Honestly, it, it was like, man, I don't, it, it's like, uh, can we just do a worship and praise Sunday and move on with it? I mean, this is the last parable, so can we just do like a reflection time? No, because we need to keep hearing this faith, a faith that isn't shaken. A faith that lasts in the, faith of, in the face of adversity. A faith that doesn't make sense sometimes. A faith that goes against the popular narrative and stands for what's true. A faith to hold on is something that the world needs to see. And it's something that we need to possess. A faith that made Abraham say to his wife, Hey, I know we're like 90-something years old. Maybe we should try for another baby. Maybe we should try again. That's faith. Doesn't make sense. It's faith. It's a faith that said that when Moses was backed up against the Red Sea and, and Pharaoh's army is coming down the hillside, it's the faith that says, you told me to raise this staff. <laughs> okay. And he raises the staff and the sea parts. It's the faith that Gideon had when he takes 3,000 men or 30,000 men and it gets whittled down to 300 and he still goes and fights the battle. It's the faith that convinces David to pick up five stones 
and go against Goliath when everyone around him is like, don't do it, you're going to get slaughtered. It's the faith that makes David say, I don't need the armor. I'm fine. Hebrews talks about this. It, uh, it's, it, 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 in Hebrews 10.36, you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what God has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and not delay. In verse 38, and by and but by my righteous by my righteous one will live by faith, and I will take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have had faith. But those who have faith are saved. Hebrews is getting to this point where he starts listing the author of Hebrews, he starts listing all the people who have faith that we can model out of, that, that when the times got hard, they kept going back. They remained faithful. This is the type of faith that this woman had, a faith that did not shrink back, a faith that was richly rewarded, a belief that didn't stop at the first, second, third, tenth time. And then she was rewarded. She never shrank back. Yeah, here's the problem, and it, it, at least mine, Quitting seems entirely too easy. It's easy to say, you know what, we tried it once, didn't work, we're moving on. It's more difficult to pick it up the fourth time and keep moving. So how do we keep going when everything around us tells us to let go? How do we keep having faith and the confidence when quitting would seem so much easier? If you have your Bibles or your Bibles app, I would like you to turn to the sixth chapter of the sixth book. And we're going to start in verse 1, because if we started in verse 6, that's three sixes. And I don't want to get into that today. Thank you for understanding that joke, the 666. Joshua, chapter 6. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Joshua, chapter 6. We're going to look in verse 1. The children of Israel had gone through Israel. They have gone through the wilderness. They had been there for 40 years. They stepped through the River Jordan. The River Jordan stopped. They walk through on dry land, and now they're standing at the gates of the town right in their way, in the city of Jericho. Joshua 6.1, now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. They had heard about them. They knew that they were coming. No one went in or out, and no one came in. So Jericho, uh, it's not a big city. When I... When I thought of Jericho, like all the stories we, we were told little, uh, when I was little, you know, Joshua fought the battle of Jericho and the walls come tumbling down. I think of this huge, like, metropolitan area. Jericho wasn't that big. Archaeologists say that it was only about six to nine acres. The problem with Jericho was this huge fortified wall around it. And so they walk through the promised land and they come to see Jericho and they're looking down on it. Jericho knows they're coming. They're a little bit afraid. They say, no one go in or out. And the people of the, the children of Israel are sitting there going, we're supposed to take that one? It's virtually impenetrable. We can't get in there. Fresh out of the desert, ready to capture what God had promised for them, probably high on their horses or whatever they are on. And they're like, yes! Ugh. Can we just quit and stay here? So put yourself in their sandals. Forty years you've been walking Forty years you've been thinking that this land is just going to be handed to you. And now you cross the river and you think it's going to be a cakewalk. And in your mind, that cakewalk just turned into a death march. 
because Jericho has a huge army and we're not going to be able to get through it. Would you be discouraged? Yes. Absolutely you would be. The walls are too much. The security too tight. The army's too big. They're following orders and now they come to this. You followed God perhaps in your life. You've honored God with your choices and with every option. Everything you've done, it's become more and more complicated. You chose to honor God with your finances and now you have financial problems. You chose to, you decide to, to honor God with, with your sexuality and now temptation is at your doorstep and there's opportunity. You committed to read your Bible and set aside time for praying and, and you wanted, you say, I'm going to do it every morning and then now you can't get a good night's sleep. You see all of these things that God says, do this and you do them and all of a sudden we expect that it's going to be easy and a nice little cakewalk and then it becomes difficult and the temptation to quit comes. This thing that you wanted is now causing you so much grief. Why not give up? Then look in verse 2. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. Okay? This Jericho is huge, and you're telling me that you've delivered it into my hands. God has given you the city. God, there's something interesting about God that you can note here. God is the only one who can speak in the past tense of present reality. He says, I've given it to you. That's been done. It's yours. You just have to go take it. It's already yours. Joshua was standing in the present looking at this and God speaking to him in the past tense like, it's already happened, man. We see the obstacle. Yet God can see what's on the other side of the obstacle. When all we see is what makes us want to quit, God looks at it and goes, I can imagine what it's like if you don't. What God sees about your situation is different from what you see. Our limited perspective limits our faith. It shrinks our faith. We can't see what God sees. We know what he's doing. God might be saying one thing, but we feel an entirely different way. Then we become frustrated. We become discouraged. We think we're cursed. We're stuck. We're broken. But when you see an obstacle, God sees a way through it. He says, Joshua, this is yours. You just have to have the chutzpah to believe me and act on it. Then he gives them these instructions. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this one time for six days. Have seven priests carry the trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priest blowing the trumpets. So for six days, don't touch the trumpets. On the seventh day, blow the trumpets. When you hear the sound of the long blast of the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout, then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up and straight in. Now, God told just Joshua this. This is a private conversation. When Joshua goes to his army, he doesn't tell them about the seventh day. Look in verse 7. He ordered the army, advance, march around the city with an armed guard, going ahead of the ark of the Lord. What did he leave out? He left out the whole seventh day. He just says, walk around the city, come back. Just once. He didn't mention that the city was already theirs. He didn't say what would happen to him on the seventh day. He just tells them to get up and walk. In other words, 
Have faith in what we're going to do. Keep walking. Keep moving. Sometimes being faithful is walking, especially where you don't know where you're going. Sometimes the chutzpah, like we see in this woman, is to keep asking, even though you don't understand why anything's happening, even though you might believe this is not going to bring any results, you keep walking. Now, this wasn't just another hike for the people of Israel. This is a seven-day hike or another day on top of 40 years. They've lost their parents. This is a brand new generation. None of these people saw the Red Sea. They've been in the desert for their entire life. This is the promised land. This is a seven-day journey on top of 40 years, and they don't know what's going to happen. Discouragement, probably some, some mumbling in the camp, like, are you sure this is going to work? We, we're, we're an army. We, they're afraid of us. Why can't we just charge this place? God says, take a step. Take another step. Walk around the city. Keep walking just one time. One problem that we face when we're holding on with faith when things get hard is that we often see other people's success before our own. And so the people of Israel are looking around and they can see how Jericho is, is so fortified and great. And, and, and they're going, but, but I wanted, we want to be there. We want to be the successful ones. We, we want to have a success story. We're stuck walking around. Sometimes the success comes when you obey God and you're faithful to what God wants you to do. It doesn't come instantly. When other people get their answer before what we've been praying for, it can be discouraging. But what we don't see is the times that the people who are getting what they're asking for or getting the results from the prayer or getting the, the fruit from their faith, what we don't see is the time which they walked around the city for seven days. We see the end results we don't see the process. I, I, there's a whole bunch of stories we could do. There's sports metaphors and, and everything. And so I like sports, but I'll give you one, this one. Uh, I go to a gym every morning. And there's a guy who's like three areas down from me. It's, it's a CrossFit gym, and we're all in these weird little rectangles. And this guy is just a beast. He can lift so much weight. He can run so fast. He, can, like, he does a pull-up, and it looks like someone's lifting him. And I'm looking at him going, how in the world did you do that? And I'll, I'll, I'll go talk to him. His name's Mike. Mike, what's, what'd you do? He's like, oh, I've been doing this for like 25 years. Oh, now there's some things, some limits to what I can do. But everyone's looking at Mike going, why can't I be like, uh, be like Mike? But why can't I do that? Well, you just started. How are you going to be like that? He's got 25 years of practice of work, of, of blistered hands and everything to get to that point, and you're on day two. We can see this in the sports metaphor. You see this in golfing. I'll watch the, the golf tours. Now there's two of them, I guess. And, and as I'm watching, I'm seeing these guys hit the ball, and they're moving the ball all over the place. I'm like, why can't I do that? Well, I play maybe twice a month, and these guys play about four times a day. They're, we don't get to see other people's waiting periods. We get to see what happens to them after they're done waiting. And it gets discouraging, right? Because we want the success story. But God says your success will come if you have faith, if you continue. We don't see the perseverance that's needed because the perseverance that we need to have is often done in private. We have a limited perspective 
of what God's doing. God says, keep asking. Have the chutzpah come back again and again and again. Then you'll have the results. Hold your faith. Not only does our limited perspective hinder our faith, but our lack of progress is often invisible. We can't see it. Joshua told his army and the priests to get up and walk around the nine-acre city for six days. That's it. No taunting, no grandstanding, no gestures, no strategizing, just eyes forward, head down, march. Walk around the city, keep walking. And it had to have seemed pointless. These are trained military men. For six days, they walk and see nothing. They see no evidence, no progress. I'm probably not even a shaking stone in the rock. Nothing. And it's discouraging because they're a lot like us. It's hard to persevere when you don't see progress. It's hard to endure pain when you see zero reward. But Joshua adds something to their walking. It's not something that God told him to add. It's not bad. But he says this, uh, walk around and don't talk. Walk in silence. Joshua commanded the army, do not give a war cry. Do not raise your voices. Do not say a word until I tell you to shout, then shout. So he had the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord carried around the city, circling at once. Then the army returned to camp and spent the night there. Joshua knew something about the way we work. Sometimes our mouths can be our worst enemy, especially when things aren't going your way. Our mouths can feed our discouragement and they can hinder our perseverance. He knows the personality of his soldiers and they would say, hey, isn't this, they're, they're walking, right? Isn't this just dumb? Why are we doing this? Why can't we just lay siege? Why can't we bust down the doors? What kind of strategy is this? Are they gonna be intimidated by our straight lines? Are they gonna be intimidated of our speed of walking? What's this? Or even worse, it could have come to this. One guy says to the next guy, where is God? We've been searching for him and following this God for years, and now we're literally walking in circles. Where is he? And so Joshua says, be quiet. Don't say a word. Sometimes in our faith, we, our perseverance means that we need to shut up and keep marching. Don't tell my kid I just said shut up. We're trying to get him not to say that word. But sometimes we need to be quiet and keep our head down and march. It's easy to complain when things go difficult. My, my dad used to tell this story about his dad, and, and my mom's watching. Hi, mom. She'll correct me on this. But my, if I'm wrong, I, I don't know. But uh, my dad grew up on a farm in Michigan, and every year they would have to plow the, the fields after winter. And plowing the fields is a very difficult thing to do. And so he would start plowing, and then he, he would complain to his dad. My grandpa, his name was Milt. Uh, he, he'd complain because the ground was just too hard. It's not working. And grandpa's response to him, keep plowing. Fine. Then he'd go out and plow again and plow again and plow again. And pretty soon the soil would begin to turn. The soil begins to listen, uh, loosen. Just keep plowing, Grandpa said. Dad used to say it to us all the time. When things got hard in school or in life, he wouldn't tell us, give us some kind of pithy statement to make it better. He would say, just keep plowing. And it annoyed the crud out of me. Just keep plowing. 
Just keep going. Put your head down. Even though it doesn't feel like you're making progress, keep on trusting. Keep on walking. Keep on plowing. Keep on loving. Keep on showing up when everyone else takes off. Keep on praying. Keep plowing. Even though it feels like you're making no progress, soon the soil begins to lift and you're making progress. Your perspective can limit your faith. God told Joshua it'd be seven days. The men who are walking around don't know this. They thought, they thought it was awful. They thought, it was, it was a, uh, they thought this would have been an easy way to go. But it wasn't. They had to keep plowing. If they would have known that it was only seven days, do you think it would have been easier for them? Yeah, probably. But would they have believed and had faith? Well, faith is defined in, in, in Hebrews as the evidence of things hoped for, not necessarily what you're seeing. Them walking around the city for those days built their faith, knowing that God's going to do something against these massive walls that I can't even imagine. Faith meant that they keep walking without seeing any progress. However, it becomes challenging when we don't see God's actions immediately. Like this woman in Luke 18, we're told to keep coming back, keep asking, dig down, find the hutzpah. But perhaps God is doing something with you like he was doing with this woman, like he was doing with the children of Israel. Perhaps God is building your faith during this time. He's saying, look, I need you to believe me that I'm going to do what I said I'm going to do. And he's teaching you to depend on him rather than on yourselves. If the people of Israel would have known that we're just going to do this for seven days and I can start my clock right now and we're just going to keep walking and walking seven days, this is over. No, they had to learn how to trust in what God was doing. Some of us are marching around walls and we're not seeing them come down. For many of us, these past years have probably been the most difficult years of your life, the most challenging years of your life, because no matter how much you prayed, no matter how much you thought things were going to be right, it's been difficult and something is always getting worse. Something's always going wrong. No matter how hard you tried to please everyone, you didn't. No matter how, how hard you tried not to hurt someone's feelings, you did. And over time, it takes a personal toll and you want to quit. I'll be honest with you, these past two years, I felt like exactly that. It's been difficult, not just here at the church, in life in general. These past two years have just been a slog of time. And it's been difficult. And it's been, there's been times where it's like, can we just stop? Can we just throw in the towel? It'd be a lot easier if we did. If we would have known uh, that if, it's still not easy, but if you know that there's an end time coming to it, you can push a little harder, but we don't. It's difficult. Don't quit. Keep plowing. There have been many times where you probably wanted to stop walking, stop hoping, stop praying, because it doesn't seem like it's working anyway. Every day, something new. But every day, whenever you're tempted to quit, you keep pushing. And so the phrase that's come up, and now my mom says it to me, when I call her to complain about everything, I say, I tell her, and she goes, just keep plowing. And it is still just as annoying as it was when dad used to say it. Now it just comes from a different voice. Just keep plowing. Just keep plowing. My dad even wrote a book. It's like that big. It's all about just keep plowing. I read it once and was annoyed. I'll read it again. And was like, ah, just keep plowing. Just keep going. Because even though you've been faithful for a long time, even though you don't see the answer to the promise, you're closer 
than you think. And listening and reading for this passage, I came across a story of a woman named Florence Chadwick. Have we heard of her? She was a famous swimmer. She swam the English Channel both directions. She was the first woman to do that. She's an incredible athlete. One day, she decided, I, this, is, this is like running marathons again, but one day she decided that she was going to swim from Long Beach to Catalina. And Catalina is just off the shore of California, 22 miles. We used to take our jet skis across to Catalina and back. That was fun. I can't imagine swimming this. She says she's going to swim it. Uh, and, and she swam, and in that channel there, it can get pretty awful condition-wise. Fog sets in. It can get very choppy. The water gets pretty cold out there. And so she starts to swim, and she's swimming for 15 hours across this channel. And she wants to quit, and they talk her back in. No, you got to stay going. And, and her mom was on the follow boat, and she was saying, keep, keep swimming, keep swimming. But then it got very, she couldn't do it. And she has to be taken out of the water. And then when she's sitting on the boat and they're drying her off and giving her whatever she needs, she hears the voices coming from the shore just outside the fog. She was a half mile away. She almost did it. She quit too early. If she would have kept pushing, she was closer than she thought. If she would have kept swimming, she would have made it. She would have been in the harbor. She would have seen the boats. She would have been able to walk in because it's a long, sloping beach there. Sometimes when we feel like quitting, we've been waiting for a long time. We've been holding for a long time. We've been hanging on to hope for a long time. We're closer than we think. Don't stop. Don't stop. Now, look what happens on the seventh day. The Israelites were supposed to walk around the city of Jericho seven times in silence. They were waiting for the sign to yell. They were waiting for the applause sign to hit waiting for Joshua to, to give them the sign. So they walk around it once, nothing happens. Walk around it again, nothing happens. Third time, nothing happens. Fourth time, nothing happens. Fifth time, nothing happens. Sixth time. What happens if they stop on the sixth time? They miss it. Don't stop on six. Keep walking. Before they knew it, they're on lap seven, and God says, watch what I'm going to do on lap seven. Watch what's going to happen. There's a whole symmetry here, the six days you work, seventh day you rest. So they walk around on the seventh time, and then they watch God begin to move. On the sixth lap, they quit. They miss it. Wipe the sweat from your face. In other words, Joshua's probably saying to them, don't follow the feelings that are tempting you to quit because your legs are tired. You're likely closer than you think. You might be thinking, I've prayed for six days straight. Well, pray for the seventh. Keep praying, keep hoping. Habakkuk asked this question. Habakkuk the prophet, why do the innocent people suffer? What's God tell him? Keep walking. Keep praying. I am doing something that you'll never seem to imagine. David, over and over again in the psalm, Psalm 40, you two made it famous. How long do I have to wait for this? How long, God, am I going to do, go through this hardship? How long am I going to run in the wilderness because people are trying to kill me? But he gets back up at the end of any of those psalms. He says, but the Lord is my strength. And before you know it, David's one lap away. Galatians 6.9 says this, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap the harvest. And there's a tagline. 
if you don't give up. Don't quit on six. On the seventh day, back in Joshua, they got up at daybreak and they marched around the city seven times in the same manner. Except on that day, they encircled the city seven times. The seventh time around, when the priests sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. And when the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, and the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So everyone charged straight in and took the city. Don't stop on six. You don't know what's going to happen on lap seven. You don't know what God's going to do. The woman kept coming to the judge's courts, pleading her case, beating him black and blue with the request over and over and over. First time, nothing. Second time, nothing. Fifth time, nothing. Sixth time, I should just give up. But she goes back and the judge grants her the request. Luke 18, 5. Because this widow keeps bothering me, I'll see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. The world around you will say, why do you have faith when nothing seems to happen? Why do you keep hoping when nothing seems to come of it? Keep pushing. Keep hoping. Keep walking. If this judge, who is the opposite of what God is, can grant this woman her request and do for her what she's been asking you to, Imagine what the God who created you, the God who loves you, the God who wants the best for you, will do for you. He will grant you what you're seeking. Now, this is where it gets really confusing because sometimes we don't see the answers. There's this really peculiar time in the book of Daniel. Uh, it's not going to be on the screen. It's in Daniel 10, and, and I'll just summarize it. Daniel's been given this vision, and he's been praying for some time now. And then Daniel, we don't know how, I think it's just a matter of about a week or so. And we could look at Daniel and go, huh, a week? That's lightweight. Come on, we've been waiting for years, right? And so this Daniel comes and he says, he's frustrated. I want to see my answers. And he complains to God. And finally he gets a response. The angel of the Lord comes and visits Daniel right in the middle of his prayer and says, hey, look, we've heard your request. We, we, God knows what you're doing. He, he, he understands you. He's been trying to answer you. But here's what's happened. Uh, I, I was bringing you your answer, and I got hung up by uh, the prince of Persia, I believe it's called in Daniel 10, and I had to call in backup to help me fight back this satanic presence in order to give you your answer. It's a wild passage. You've got to check it out. Daniel 10. And then he gives Daniel his answer, and then he says, now i got to get back up and help the other angel fight back this prince of Persia. So, you good now? Great. I'm gone. i got to go back to the fight. We can look at that and go, whoa, this is like some Lord of the Rings type stuff, right? Real Star Wars. I don't know. Star Wars, Star Trek, same thing. It's, it's all of this. It's this good against evil and that some God's trying to give you the answer, but there is a spiritual realm in front of him, and he's trying to get, and they're trying to thwart what God wants to do. When we pray, when we ask, when we have faith and believe, God is trying to give us the answer, but there are forces at work around us that are trying to hinder God's answer. That's why we don't give up. We keep praying. We keep asking. We keep having faith. We don't know what's going on in the person's life when we're praying for. 
They might be having to sort some things out with God too. God might be working on them. And he goes, I hear you. Keep asking. I'm working over here. But I want you to keep asking me. You might be in a situation where you're like, God, I, I, I need this job. I need this job. I need this. I need this. And God goes, I know, but there's a person who currently occupies the job that you have, and I'm working on them too. They need to move before you can get in there. So I'm, I'm doing 4D chess here, guys. I'm working on this. Even though we can't see it, God is still working. And we keep asking in faith. Don't give up. Even though we can't see it, we can trust it. We learned about this in the book of Job. Even though we can't understand why God is doing what's happening around him, we can still trust that God is still good. He still gives us what we're hoping for. He still will answer our prayers. We keep hoping. We keep praying. We keep trusting. Don't stop on six. Don't stop a half mile from shore. Keep plowing. Would you pray with me? Father, would you give us this endurance to have faith when everything around us is telling us not to? To keep hoping when hope seems like it's faded. To keep asking you, even though we sound to ourselves like a broken record, that we would keep asking in faith, knowing that you're going to move. May we join our lives in, in the same breath as Abraham, who in faith, David, who in faith picked up the stones, Abraham, who in faith left when it didn't seem like it was going to work out. Gideon, who in faith did what you asked him to do, even though he was still full of doubt. And this woman in this parable who was seeking her betterment, justice, she kept asking, And even a bad judge would give her what she wants. How much more can we trust you who are good to give us what we need? So Lord, will you strengthen our legs to keep walking even though six times around the city nothing's shaking? Would you strengthen our legs? Would you give us a voice to yell on the seventh day when those walls come down and you deliver us your promise? Lord, help us to keep walking, to not quit, to keep plowing. In Jesus' name.